You know, Tony, this week is an important week for a lot of people. Uh, it's the beginning of Lent, and uh, it just occurred to me that Adam and Eve were the first ones to ignore the Apple terms and conditions. <laughs> oh, Jeff, that's a good one. Speaking of Lent, do you know what I'm giving up for Lent? What? My diet. This is Paladin Financial Talk with Jeff Foley from Paladin Financial. Basically, the more accounts you have, the more opportunities there are for mistakes. So taking control of your assets may help you to avoid some of those common mistakes that investors make. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals, your money, and your plans in perfect harmony. And now, here is Paladin Financial Talk with Jeff Foley. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Foley with Paladin Financial. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Paladin Financial Talk. We've got a great show. We're going to talk about some social security myths. But before we get into that, it's a very important day today. It is Mr. Tony Shore's birthday. Happy birthday, Tony. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah, we're, we happen to be recording our show today on my birthday, and I'm excited about that. That's fun. Uh, love spending it with you, Jeff. We always have fun on the show anyway, but it makes it a little more special today. Um, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but uh, <laughs> you, I'll leave that up to your imaginations. Uh, Jeff, how have you been? Very good. Very good. Yes. And enjoyed uh, my driveway, saw a little bit of the light of day with the melting that's occurred over the last couple of days. I'm a little behind on keeping that thing clean. Uh, so that has been a positive thing. But Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the driveway, our driveways, at the end was all iced over and it's finally clearing out. So I, I'm glad it got warmer. Of course, just in time for probably some more bad weather. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the downhill, though. It's starting to get lighter outside, which is I hope wonderful. so. Yep, it is wonderful. I, I just, yeah, the short days when it gets dark so early and stays dark so late in the morning, I, I don't like that. Yeah. Um, but this is nice. We're headed into a great time of the year, spring, so that's good. So today we're talking about Social Security myths, right? We are. If you haven't heard this, Social Security, it's kind of a big deal. And, it, uh, it's a really <laughs> big deal in retirement for most people. I mean, it can make up as much as 40% of a lot of people's income or more in exactly. retirement, right? Yeah. So it's very important. And Social Security, they pay out a whopping $100 billion a month to around 65 million people. Oh, so, wow. So it's a lot of money. And there's a, That's real money to you and I. Yes. <laughs> it adds up. Um, there's a study done by AARP, a 2020 study. And 90% of U.S. adults support the program. So most people are in favor of of it and are chipping into it. And in this day and age, there aren't many things that 90% of people agree on. So that's a, that's a positive. But given that it's so important, it's only natural that, you know, Loch Ness Monster legends and myths and misinterpretations abound out there. So today we're going to talk about some of those common social security myths and address those head on. But um, yeah, should be some good stuff that we'll uncover here today. Well, good. I am glad we're going to dig into this because I know you get a lot of questions from our listeners and from people you meet with and clients about social security and what they need to know and how to maximize it. So a uh, great topic today. 
And I think a lot of people do wonder, hey, is it going to be there when I retire? I think that's a big concern. Or are the benefits going to shrink? And will there be that annual cost of living adjustment? Is that going to be there when I need it? So the more you need something, the more you worry about it. So let's get to some of these myths that are out there that can mislead people about Social Security. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, And kind of a article you can use to track along if you want is uh, Google that there's an AARP article, 10 Social Security Myths That Refuse to Die, that we'll use for some of the content for today's show. And the first one, and I've had this come up um, twice in the last two weeks that I can think of, is first one is, is Social Security going to go broke or it is going to go broke? And the fact on this one is because Social Security is a pay-as-you-go system, as long as American workers and their employers are paying payroll taxes more than what is coming out, the program won't run out of money. So if you start over, the Social Security cookie jar is empty and $1 comes in and 80 cents is paid out and that continues, well, it's not going to run out of money. Well, yeah, there you go. That's good. And, you know, I remember when I was a kid, Jeff, uh, or younger at least, (laughs) and I remember seeing on the news and hearing my parents talk about, uh, oh, they were saying Social Security isn't going to be, it'll it'll only be solvent or good until 1994. (laughs) I remember hearing that in the 80s. And then, of course, they passed laws and made changes and, and kept it solvent. So, yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere. You know what I mean? I, I think Social Security... Uh, the politicians are gonna are, are gonna protect that. But why do you think that myth refuses to die? Yeah, it, it, while it isn't you know potentially going to go broke, it does face some challenges that that cause a lot of concerns. And we'll come back to that cookie jar analogy here in a moment. But as that AARP article notes, the program took in more than it paid out for several decades, and that led to a three trillion dollar surplus by the end of 2020. But as it currently stands, the program is beginning to pay out more than it's taking in in new money. And this is happening because the population of retirees is generally living longer and it's growing faster than the working population is. So without any changes to the program, and that's the key, nearly $3 trillion surplus that we talked about, that's expected to run out by around 2034 and then at that point, you have more going out than you have coming in. So we get to that point where the cookie jar is empty, new money coming in versus new money going out is what we want to look at. Sure. Uh, but to be honest with you, that still seems pretty alarming to me. It, exactly. It is. Yeah. It's understandable. But the, again, it's not going to go broke in, until that surplus is gone. And at that point, Social Security would still bring in enough money to pay about 78% of benefits. So I used that dollar in and 80% out the door example there a moment ago. Yeah. They're projecting at that point it will have enough to pay out 78% of benefits. And Congress would then need to figure out a way to make up for that missing 22%. So in, in my opinion, given how important Social Security is to so many people, and 90% of people support Social Security, uh, meaning they're in favor of it, I don't think Congress is going to let that program wither, but we might see some changes. Sure. Yeah, I, I would I would say so. I think that's a fair point. I mean, most members of Congress want to get reelected. <laughs> and, you know, that's why they call Social Security the third rail of politics, because nobody wants to mess with it or let anything happen to it. So advocating for Social Security is a good way 
to get reelected. You don't want to let anything happen to that. Uh, absolutely. Yes. So the next common myth is that Social Security, the Social Security age, if you will, is 65. And the reality is the full retirement age is the technical term. It's between 66 and 67 for people, depending on when they were born. That age 65 myth has lived on because when Social Security was enacted in 1935, age 65 was the eligibility age. And then decades later, the minimum eligibility dropped to 62. So you could take it earlier than 65 at a reduction. Uh, but 65 remained that full retirement age. And in 1983, when the full retirement age went up in order to reduce the program's cost, um, that's when we started to see that, that change in that full retirement age. So 2002 is actually the last year in which people who turned 65 could receive their full retirement age benefit. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, and I think another reason 65 was the original age and for a long time, but that changed in the eighties, like you say, but another reason people think that now is because that's when met you're eligible for Medicare exactly. and that 65 just kind of has become, Oh, 65 is retirement age. So I think people just assume that's when they can start taking social security as well. It is interesting. And I didn't know the full story there. So I'm glad you talked about that. Uh, and uh, the changes to the full retirement age. That's important. Yeah, there's kind of a parade of ages, and uh, I've just met with <laughs> parade someone. Parade of ages. Parade of ages. That should be a title for something. Yes. Um, That's just, your next book, Parade of Ages. I <laughs> uh, just had this come up yesterday. I was meeting with someone, and they were asking, well, is, is something else happen at age 62? And we're talking through that. But, yeah, you have age 55, 59 and a half, 62, 65, your full retirement age, then you have age 70 and a half on RMDs, or is it age 72? So there are, there's a lot of numbers to keep track of there. Uh, but the next myth that we've I've heard a lot during my career is that the annual cost of living adjustment, or the COLA as it's called, is automatic. And by law, benefits have to be adjusted annually to keep pace with inflation, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the, you'll have a cost of living increase. So that COLA is linked to the federal index of prices for certain consumer goods and services, and that's called the CPIW. And Social Security benefits are adjusted every year according to the changes in that CPIW from the third quarter of one year to the third quarter of the next year. So, for example, in 2021, that CPIW showed a 5.9% jump in prices, so benefits will be 5.9% higher uh, in 2022, but then you, of course, have the Medicare premium was increased as well. Ah, okay. So, yeah, it, you get into a lot, of, uh, a lot of changes and a lot of things that are happening with Social Security, and this is why so many people have so many questions about it. Uh, I think it's important to talk about. So, basically, with the COLA, if there's no price jump uh, in the CPIW or the government's idea of inflation, then they don't give you a jump in COLA. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And since that formula went into effect, that scenario has only played out three times, 2010, 2011, and 2016. And regardless of whether or not the formula calls for an increase in benefits, the process is automatic. So it's going to look at that each year. Um, the next myth that we get from this article is that members of Congress don't have to pay into Social Security. And this has often been a complaint from people that members of Congress are not chipping into Social Security. 
um, and they're not um, paying for that, so it's not as big of a deal for them. But since 1984, members of Congress, as as well as other federal employees, have been part of the program. And we've had other shows on this where we've talked about if you're a federal employee, you have a unique benefits program, and you have a couple different pensions that might apply to you. And before 1984, members of Congress did not pay into Social Security because they were part of the old federal employee pension system called SERS, CSRS, which is Civil Service Retirement System. And what happened is back at that point, and this was the Reagan era, and the Social Security cookie jar was starting to show some cracks, and there's fear it's going to run out of money eventually. Government looked at solutions, and one of them was, hey, we have millions of federal workers over here that have their own pension, and they're not chipping into Social Security. What if we change the pension, came up with a new one, and those folks can get the pension through the federal government uh, plus Social Security? So those who were in office before the beginning of 1984, as far as members of Congress, they could continue utilizing that old SERS pension, but only in conjunction with Social Security. If they were elected after January of 1984, they switch over to that new pension, which is called FERS, and they're also covered by Social Security. So that's part of the history there, and some of the myth is for a number of years, members of Congress were not participating in Social Security and maybe they didn't care as much at that point. Well, yeah, there you go. And I'm glad you cleared that up. I mean, obviously, uh, that's a myth I've heard uh, many, many times, and a lot of people don't understand um, that. I'm glad to hear that Congress does have to pay Social Security. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Get, get, their, get them aligned with us, yes. Yes, exactly. That's only fair. Uh, The next common myth is that the government is going to dip into Social Security to fund other government programs. So the two trust funds that pay out Social Security, one for retirees and their survivors and the other for people with disabilities, those are not part of the government's general fund. But the government can and does borrow from Social Security. So Social Security's tax revenue, it's invested in special U.S. Treasury securities. And like other Treasury Department bonds, the government can spend the money on numerous programs. But like any other bondholder, the Treasury has to pay that money back with interest. So Social Security redeems the securities to meet its responsibilities. And that barring that we just talked about kind of powers that rumor the government is snatching money from Social Security and they're leaving a pile of IOUs behind. (laughs) But in reality... The government has always repaid that money in full, but it's That's understandable good. why that would be a fear. Well, sure. <laughs> With the government, you never know. <laughs> right. uh, our trust of politicians isn't exactly at an all-time high the, the last few years, you know, uh, as time has went on here. And But here's something I've heard a number of times through the years, and that is you don't have to pay taxes on your Social Security benefit when you get it. Is that one myth or reality? It, it depends, and lots changed uh, since 1984. That year, Congress passed a Social Security overhaul that, among other things, dictated that a portion of your Social Security benefits are taxable, and that amount depends on your income level. So without getting into brackets, you can Google those, but there's, a, in short, either none of your Social Security income is taxed 50% or 85%. It's kind of a blend of those, depending on your income tax level. 
And that the result of that formula is then dropped into our individual income tax brackets. And that helps determine how much you actually pay in taxes. So there are some people that don't pay any taxes on their social security and there are ours that pay some and those that pay more. Yeah. I, I, you know, I used to think, oh, you're not going to have to pay taxes on social security like regular income. Uh, but that is a myth. You, you may have to pay up to 85% as far as federal taxes. But my question for you next then, um, is what about state taxes? Can they tax social security? Yeah, there are some states. If you live in, uh, the following states we're we're one of these, Minnesota, uh, Colorado, Connecticut, Kansas, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Mexico, Rhode Island, Vermont, Utah, and West Virginia. Those are all states that currently do tax social security income. So I can, wow. I think once or twice in the last couple of weeks, I met with someone and their plan is that in a few years, they're going to retire and they're going to move to another state. And one of the reasons for that is warmer weather. Another reason is to get away from the state taxes. But and in my experience, for most people, um, depending on your income range, usually in Minnesota, your effective tax rate that you're paying after deductions is usually five or six percent of your income for most folks. So you have to decide, is that really significant enough to warrant you moving to another state? It might be right. you know, icing on the cake if you're wanting to get out of the, the winter or whatnot or other reasons, but um, it, it, it's not... Uh, relative to other things, relative to federal taxes, it's it's not as significant. No, no, obviously it isn't. Uh, And there are state taxes here in Minnesota. We all know that. Uh, But I think the weather is probably making more people move than the tax on Social Security because it's not that significant. Um, And considering everything you've told us so far today, Jeff, I'm inspired uh, to note that uh, a Social Security strategy uh, having one like you've been talking about is an important reason to work closely with somebody like yourself, a financial services professional. Yeah, it, it is. There are a lot of moving parts with Social Security, which is our focus here today. And we want to make sure that your Social Security strategy is tied in with your overall big picture, your overall financial plan, pensions, assets, retirement, um, part-time work, if you will, to make sure that you're making a good decision with your social security and you're not making filing decisions that are irrevocable off of myths and what your neighbor tells you or your uncle or your brother, we want to make sure your social security filing strategy is dialed in based on your situation and the facts. So encourage you to give us a call and come in for a complimentary second opinion on your retirement plan. And a component of that is we'll help you to understand social security and your options and the trade-offs, answer any questions that you have about that. You can give us a call at 651-842-8406 and schedule a complimentary second opinion. And uh, we'll get that set up and look forward to meeting with you. All right. Hey, that sounds great. And it was a great show today. We're going to wrap it up here, but give that uh, phone number and contact info one more time, Jeff. Yeah. Again, our number is 651-842-8406. And you can visit us online at financialpaladin, that's P-A-L-A-D-I-N.com. 
and I encourage you as well to take a moment to uh, whatever you're listening to the podcast through, take them, take a moment to give us a review on the podcast. We would truly appreciate that. Give the opportunity for more people to hear the show and we appreciate you tuning in. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Great topic today. Social security myths, very important stuff and listeners that does it for today's episode of Paladin Financial Talk with our host, Jeff Foley. Thank you for listening to Paladin Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Jeff Foley at Paladin Financial. Call 877-219-3199 or visit their website at financialpaladin.com. Advisory services offered through Paladin Wealth LLC, a Minnesota registered investment advisor. Paladin Wealth LLC offers advisory services under the DBA Paladin Financial and Paladin Wealth. Insurance products and services offered through Paladin Insurance LLC. Paladin Wealth LLC and Paladin Insurance LLC are affiliated companies. Jeff Foley and Paladin Financial are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.